movies relegated to a late night purgatory i'm one of your hosts adam walker and joining me as always is brandon hayden and john hoffman back on the mic after a week's absence we missed you john glad you're back so very sweet very sweet yeah, yeah. keep keep, uh, keep checking the headlines around the uh geneva area mm-hmm. because there's probably some <laughs> we- dead motherfuckers in some small small little backwater there John listen, had to take a week off. He is on the lamb in the wind, as they say. Listen, I'm not going to say too much here, but anytime I take a quote unquote week off, I think uh, <laughs> you know the world can know a little thing or two about what I'm probably doing. Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, hey, let's not let that soundproof fucking torture chamber that you have in your basement go to waste. No, not at right? all. We all know now. After anybody that's kept up over the last few, know know about my. Uh, my the, jig, the jig is up, John. My, my uh, suburban torture chamber. I, I, I hope you. I hope you're with us for at least a couple more episodes before the cops catch up to you. Hey, I, I, uh, 
before Johnny Law gets his his tendrils in you. I think I, I think I've got it down pat now. And and for our five listeners, I think we could probably assume none of them is a police officer. So that's <laughs> let's hope not, because ACAB at this podcast, I tell you what. <laughs> Uh, we just tell people that you went out for barbecue whenever that happened. So that going out for barbecue is code is code for you going out and murdering. I went out for barbecue and I never came back. That's right. That's right. Must have been some good BBQ. I tell you what. Hey, one of Uh, these days we'll all go to that joint in Elburn, Illinois that I went with my dad. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Your your dad in air quotes (laughs) to do some barbecue. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, wouldn't that be some shit? If every time I said I'm sorry, guys, I gotta go hang out with my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, all right. So we're back up in the queue to Brandon's movie because. I don't know if I fully explain this with the new format. What we're trying to do is essentially after one full cycle of episodes in a month, basically we're trying to not just return back to the first person that started the cycle, but move up the queue to the next person and then the next. And that way at the end of the month, ideally that person that has started this current month gets to pick their guest to be on the show. So, Brandon, you've got to pick a guest. We're at the top oh, yeah. of the month now. Yeah. So, and then next time it's you, John. So you got to start cooking up your ideas for who you're going to bring on. I got them. That's good. I'm looking forward to that. So here we are. We're back after a couple, I guess is yeah, two, two episodes. We're back to Brandon. And this is Brandon's pick tonight, so I'm going to let you take it away, Brandon. Brandon, what movie are we going to talk about tonight? Uh, yeah, uh, on on the list, it's uh, 1994, John Flynn's Brain Scan. Uh, it's an Eddie Furlong movie. It's right there in his golden age, a cream of the crop, right around T2, when he was uh, putting some stuff out before he became a, a complete human detritus um <laughs> he still yeah. had a few more years yeah. left in and before he went completely down that road at this point but yeah so uh, i guess top billing would be ed furlong um it has frank langella d Ryder smith um amy hardgraves all these people are they're pretty small time and this movie it um I, I, we talked about a little off, off mic that I pick these movies that have these just really complex, um, stories, but this movie kind of is, um, falls in line with my last pick and being like a kind of psych horror, I guess, uh, a, a brief synopsis is, um, a teenager is part of an interactive video game where he kills in- innocent victims. Later, the murders become real. So, you know, it's playing in that 90s time when <clears throat> video games and, and violence and, and um, censorship and of, of video games and stuff was really prevalent. So I think that it being a hot topic for the time was probably um, pretty apropos. Um 
yeah, this movie, I, me and my brother, we just, we found this uh, one day just picking movies at the movie store in our hometown. It was just kind of like a secret gem. Did Have you, either one of you ever watched this before? First time. First time for me as well. It's another one that I've been meaning to get to. So here we are. I made it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a real wackadoo movie. Um, it kind of goes all over the place. And uh, I, I've kind of, like I said, I, I, we probably rented this movie when I was about 10 and uh, we'd rent it time and time again. It's kind of like the same thing where you have this um, iconic type of character, like a Freddy Krueger or like shocker or something, you know, uh, he's kind of omnipresent. Um, a metaphysical being and it gets more strong over time or whatever, fucking with people. So um, interesting story. And then I acquired this film. It's, it's actually, I watched my VHS copy that's in my collection and I watch it all the time, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts because it goes in a couple of different directions and um, the final act is, I don't know, it, it tames the movie a lot. You know, you think it's going to go somewhere because of the tropes um, that modern movies go in where they they kind of have a false ending, you know, and then it turns out, oh, wait, but it's not. Everything you saw was a lie or something. But, um, yeah, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Um I don't know. I like the direction. I like it's very it's very of its time, you know. It's very 90s. I mean, the wardrobe, um the soundtrack, everything that you see, the kind of props and stuff, um the makeup. <laughs> it's uh it's fun to watch that and just kind of remember what movies were like in that time, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, you and I have talked about this before, Brandon, but I mean, Adam too, but I mean, nostalgia is so vital for what we're doing. You know, it's like if that if if the emotion of nostalgia, I don't even know if you'd consider it an emotion, but if if the concept of nostalgia didn't exist, I mean, we would be maybe still doing this, but in, have a whole different vibe to it. You know, right. like obviously all of this shit reminds us of something. And and usually I would I would think that the fact that we're willing to get together and discuss it it reminds us of some kind of endearing part of our lives, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. It, for me, that's like same as you, dude. Like my brothers and I, just like you know, tiptoeing into the horror section at at the video store by my by my house. Not even a blockbuster, but like some like mom and pop video store that was near us. Um, and just looking at box after box after box and being like, God, is mom going to let us rent this? Is mom going to let us rent this? Right. You know, like, who knows? Right. Right. So I definitely feel you there. I got that vibe immediately just starting it. You know, it's like, okay, Eddie Furlong, what's it? 94. You said, uh, yeah. Okay. So Eddie Furlong 94, you know, like just two or three years after T2, um, Right around, you know, Pet Cemetery 2 time period. Um, that and just everything about it like speaks to that. What a, a 90s like 
horror like psychological horror movie would would the vibe that it would give you you know right from the second that it starts i liked uh immediately i liked the score like right from the first like two seconds of the movie yeah Um, yeah and it's it's indicative to to early 90s i mean the shock scenes with the dive bombs and all this crazy shit it's good not only that but like the 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 white zombie heavy metal soundtrack was pretty sick too yeah Um, yeah and I love, um, dude. I, I know we'll get to this, but just like real quick, I just love the part where he turns up the fucking music. He's like, "How do you, how like, do you that? like that? Try that." Yeah. Literally, anytime some fucking group of shitty norms are having a party near me, all I want to do is something like that. You know. Totally. Indeed. Um. So release date was April twenty second, nineteen ninety four. Um. Filming locations were in Montreal, Quebec, and Canada. Uh, opening weekend, it was just uh, just south of, uh, let's see, what, 1725000 in the U.S. Um, overall gross was just under $500,000. Um, worldwide gross uh, uh, was, all, yeah, just under five, 500000 according to IMDb. Um, John Flynn, are you, are you familiar with any of his catalog? Either one of you, he did that movie, like looking at his films, he did lock up. That's the only one that I really, um, recognized that Stallone movie. Um, oh, out for justice. He did some, some stuff around the same time. That was like basically mostly action films. This one seems to be the furthest, um, a field from his, the rest of his canon. Yeah, I've never really seen much of his other films. I I do really want to see Rolling Thunder, which was a early film of his that seems pretty good. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I'm not familiar with his his uh, filmography at all. Right? Boy, does it seem like this movie was a major flop? Flopola. Yeah, flopping yeah. around, dead out of the water. So critically and financially. Yeah, I did. You guys pull up any um, any of the uh, like major critic reviews about it? I didn't, I did. but did, okay. Well, I want to hear yeah. some. Give it I to think, me. I think it got like a. I mean, you know, I always say this with a grain of salt because, like, fuck that site, anyways. But right, I think it got like a thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and was just, I think it was mostly not highly regarded in its time. Yeah, from what I from what I could from what I could tell, um, I was assuming that you guys would have done the same and could maybe add to that as far as like critical response goes. I don't from the vibe I got. I do not think it was a it was a highly praised movie. No, indeed it wasn't. I mean, <laughs> you'd you'd have you would have to be a kind of a basement cretin to know about it. I think. <laughs> yeah, which which by all means, like when you think about like Eddie Furlong, like coming off of the su- success of T two, like I mean, this movie didn't come out that like that much before like a movie like an independent movie like Pecker. Or something like that, right? You know, um, so I mean, you would think that any movie with Eddie Furlong in it, or at least like 
what his agent would have offered him at this time wouldn't have been some like fucking nut job, like total, like screw loose bullshit like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, indeed. Um, I, you know, off the top, I mean, just right off the top, I don't, I don't have much more to uh, contribute as, as far as just overall thoughts. It's a really weird movie. Um, it obviously has some heavy narrative on just censorship and what censorship was like at the time. I think this is around the time of like that whole, that whole crackdown with video games and, and, um, um, trying to make a parallel to violence in video games and, and crime on the streets, especially with adolescents. Right around the time that Mortal Kombat came out, like shortly after. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that, that was the major f- freak out, um, at least in America. So, um, yeah, I, unless you guys have anything off the top, I'm just going to get into some of my good. Um, yeah, I wanted to say a few things regarding that discussion you guys were having a little bit. For one, I wanted to comment about Ed- Edward Furlong's filmography uh, because this is before um, Pecker by by a number of years, a couple years. But I wanted to, to to point out that in on his IMDb, he has uh, before this as part of his filmography, the Edward Furlong Japanese hot noodle commercial, (laughs) the Edward Furlong Japanese hot noodle commercial two, the Edward Furlong Japanese hot noodle commercial three, and the Edward Furlong Japanese hot noodle commercial four. Now of those four, I'm particularly more of a fan of three, but I don't know about you guys. Um, I do love Edward Furlong's Japanese hot noodle commercial. Number three. That's probably my favorite. Man. Okay. So let me just stop you right there and say, I don't know. What the fuck you're talking about? And and I have never I have never in my life been more regretful that I don't know what somebody is talking about than this he, moment right now. I just well, I'm just happy that he is big in Japan. You know, I mean, like he's a, he's a real hot noodle over there. Apparently, he's a real hot just noodle. Based on the title of this, I am very sad that I don't know what you're talking about because this is something that clearly will enrich my life as soon as I see it. Look it up. One, uh, two, three, or four, dude. One. Uh, <laughs> give me any one of them. I don't care. Um, but besides that, what I wanted to touch upon real quick before we do get into the meat of the matter is when you guys were talking about um, obviously the nature of what we're doing, it, 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 it traffics in nostalgia. And, you know, I don't like to be, uh, well, back in my day a lot because I don't like you know, aging myself and and things like that. And I don't like to put myself in this uh, sort of standpoint as othering myself because of my experience. But I will say this. I do think that having the experience of going to a video store uh, as being a lost sort of tradition is really, I, I, I feel bad for folks that maybe are younger than us that, that will never necessarily get to know that unless you come to like places like Seattle where there's places like Scarecrow or these bigger cities where there are still video stores and you can peruse the aisles like that. I mean, you know, it's funny because 
everybody was so sure that that physical music media would go the way of the dinosaur and it came roaring back with a vengeance. So, you know, for generations to come, people will know what it's like to go to a record store, which was, that was wild to me that that happened, that the record, yeah. you know, the vinyl record yeah. came back the way it did, but it's it will never be. This- I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you just real quick. I, in a way I, I kind of am bitter about it just because it's like when you're a punk and when you're like you're into like hardcore, like music that like ninety nine point nine repeated of the population just knows fuck all about, you know. Yeah. And you're you're seeing like oh, Taylor Swift has has an LP coming out and it's on vinyl. Yeah. And it's like fuck you, man. This is my thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's weird? Yeah, I I I kind of feel it's almost like a gatekeep kind of thing, I guess. But I do feel weird that you can find punk records or or whatever on walmart.com you know i mean that's a dot com but at the same time you can go into walmart and see records there or target or something and you go ah i liked when it was a hole in the wall better you know it used to be a thing where like a dirty fucking hole in the wall it just smells like your dad's gym socks and it's covered with flyers and there's just musty shitty tapes and records and like yeah. Tower Records is Tower Records was like the one place that was kind of like known by norms too that also had that shit. So it was kind of like the gap, like bridging the gap a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever had a tower where you were from. No, um, I didn't. I, I watched that shitty movie and I, I was I was scared straight. Oh, Empire Records. That's yeah. Empire, oh, yeah. Records Empire That's it. Empire Records. That's the second one <laughs> yeah, so yeah. far, and that movie is garbage. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I just wanted to point that out that you know I'm glad that I, uh, you know, I get to go to a movie store and still check things out. But you know, there is a lot of attachment. A lot of this is tethered to those experiences of seeing the VHS or DVD box there and being intrigued by the art unto itself. There's a lot of this stuff. We kind of had this discussion with the exploitation discussion we had with the last episode, but, you know, that's a big part of these movies is the advertising. The advertising gets you, and a lot of times the advertising element is better than the movie. Right. (laughs) Like, the you know, the the illustration and the art that goes into it is usually, like, better crafted than the movie itself. (laughs) Right. I I feel like a lot of the movies that we would would watch – Give me the clamshell cover and give me yeah. the original trailer, and I don't need the rest of the movie. You know, right. like uh, Vanishing Point, for example. That is a great example. It's a slog of a movie, but man, that trailer is sweet. It's all the highlights, and that cover is badass. That ch- that yeah. that challenger he's in is great. <laughs> I don't know if I I don't know if I brought this up on a previous episode. I'm really hoping I didn't, but it's easily possible. But do you guys remember that movie 1492 Conquest of Paradise? Dude, oh, that, yeah, that was I, yeah, that was the that first trailer movie at the beginning of my, every Yeah. Yeah, but 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 that's a a good example of a trailer that was fucking sick. Right. And a yeah. movie that was fucking garbage. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure I brought this up in episode one. Probably. Right. I mean, it was we very talked about ubiquitous. It. In, my, in my journey through my alphabetical 
catalog of VHS. That was the first movie I had to start out with. I'm going, I think we did talk about this. I'm just going to start bringing it up on every episode. That's just like the thing I'm going to do. Well, yeah, yeah. Back in my day, you want to talk about not being one of those fucking. Listen, guys, so 1492, that trailer was fucking (laughs) sick. (laughs) Uh, It always reminds me of there's a Mr. Show skit uh, that's called Coupon the Movie. And it's it's literally a movie about a coupon, and the movie sells zero tickets. So the producers of the movies sue the public. They do a class action suit against the public, and basically force everybody to watch Coupon the movie. <laughs> Sounds like something Bono would do. Yeah, it's. <laughs> remember, remember when they they made? Remember when they like forced the U two album on iPhones or whatever? Dude, I got oh, a new phone. It's fucking on there again. I fucking piece of shit. Every time I turn my fucking car on, that Dude, fucking album comes on. on. I have to get it off here. my phone. Yeah. That's is insane. This, I, I wasn't expecting that. Is this no. your way of just of just uh, kind of slyly admitting to us that you're just a huge Bono and U2 fan? Uh, I don't need to slyly. I love old U2. I don't give a fuck. Every Man, record that's a deal you, you should give a fuck. Deal breaker. That's a deal breaker for me, pal. No, my friend. I hope you, I hope you enjoy the rest of this uh, show by yourselves. I'm out of here. <laughs> sometimes, lover. sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, you know, like, well, you know, the Joshua Tree album. And it's like, to me, that is the equivalent of being like, I'm not racist, but. Oh, <laughs> come on. I don't even, even want to fucking hear whatever your logic is on this. No, sorry. You know what? I can go into detail as to why y'all are wrong, but you know what? This isn't the YouTube podcast, so we'll save that for a different episode. It is now. It is now. <laughs> Motherfucker. Gauntlet <laughs> thrown. All right. Listen, that being said. Reformatting. All right. Go on. That being said, uh, before we go into the good, bad, and the questionable, Brandon, do you want to introduce our sponsor for the evening? Uh, y- y- yeah. So, um... No, I don't. <laughs> well, so, so much for that. All right, so let's move on to. Okay, yeah, Hazen gonna... has been fired from Midnight Flicks due to insubordination. <laughs> we can put it. We can tack it on the end. Just wait. Yeah, we'll put it on the end. They, right. <laughs> we'll we'll <laughs> edit it in there. Just, just uh, all right. Studio so, magic it right in. Yes. That being said, let's move on to the good, the bad, and the questionable. <laughs> Who are you? What did you do? If I were you, I would address that question to myself. Okay, who killed that man? What's happened? You were there, Michael. You know exactly what you did. myself. My name is Trickster. Where were we? Starting at the top with the good. Brandon, again, this is your movie. I want you to start it off with the good. I feel like, so, we've said on previous episodes that John is going to be the perpetual naysayer, maybe, but I think with this episode, I am going to be the King Contrary man here. I, If anything... 
this is a question-laden episode for me. So yeah, why I don't you some, kick it off with the good? I got some questions. I can't wait till this goes down. This is going to be great. I've got my popcorn ready. uh okay well let's see first good badass bedroom think about that i mean the way that it looks the way that it's shot you see a stairwell a couple times but it's like the entire upper perimeter like if you were to take out blow out all the walls that would be in your conventional upstairs bedroom layout it's like the entire fucking upstairs of his house is just one big room Cool shit. His dad must be, you know, totally loaded. Um, Dude, that is the most badass bedroom I've ever seen. And just yeah. while you're, while you're, before you move on to point number two of yours, I just want to say that bedroom reminded me. I don't know if you guys remember this show. It was like a show that was only on for a half hour, but it was that on at like maybe six or six thirty a.m. each school day, and it was like a video game tip show. Yeah. And I think one of the characters was like a tomato or some shit. Like, <laughs> it's like it was a it was a, a really really fucking fun show. Like they would like give you like Legend of Zelda tips and shit and like, but that that room kind of reminded me of that show because that's kind of what the the background of the show would look like. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's, it kind of goes kind of goes back to like the the nostalgia for a certain age, you know that. The, the stage dressing, the set dressing for that room is cool. Just all the posters and the little knickknacks and shit that are on his walls. When he's talking to the trickster a couple times and you see these weird, I don't know, puppets or masks or, or something. It's like, yeah, that's a, that's a badass room to have weird nightmares in, you know? Yeah, Good there's lots of references. Too. I was going to say, there's lots of references to metal and horror. It is one of those iconic sort of... This is, yeah, a teen dude's just dream bedroom from the time that you would see in horror movies where it's like, how did this kid get a whole fucking top floor just fully loaded with every cool thing you can imagine? Uh, It's the same thing in Trick or Treat. And all he had to do was watch his mom die. And is that easy? Yeah. And get a fuck. I feel up. like I feel like, like norms yeah. who don't I feel like norms who don't know that the West Memphis three are innocent probably think this is what their bedrooms look like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, all he had to do is uh get in a fucked up car wreck with his mom, watch her die, and have a deadbeat dad who is just non existent in his life. You know? I mean that's well, like a pretty the voicemail he left him was pretty nice, I thought. It was a pretty, pretty good nice, package. But I was gonna say that's like, that's a pretty sick like you know teenage life to have. Like that's like your ideal <laughs> teenage life. No fucking parents. I got everything I want. Fuck yeah! yeah. <laughs> right, dude, and you, you literally don't see this dude's dad once. No, in the movie. no. You hear his you hear his voice on the answering machine one time, and he's well. I'm sorry, I couldn't be there with you. It's like man. I, good riddance. I don't fucking care. Just keep supplying the cashola. I'm going to say for, for a deadbeat dad, that voicemail did sound pretty sincere. Like, sure, yeah, you know, he's really he's a he's a romanticizer. He's really good at uh, talking his way through some bullshit. I mean, he sounded <laughs> real. He almost had me believe in him when he said, "I love you, Michael." Yeah, I love you. I love you. That's the thing that stuck out. I love you. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, you know, the guy's got away with words. That's fine. You know, 
Right. Make, make those minutes count on the answering machine, right? Well, and, and let's just point it out like this. There is a lot of people who have seen horrible things, have neglectful parents, and they don't have any fo- – they're not loaded with cash in the end of it. So, yeah, yeah. Michael's doing pretty good for himself, I'd say. Right? I mean, like, yeah, if you think about a kid in, in like in this kid's similar situation, and they probably don't have a room like that. That's true, but let's let's just say this. You know, with his whole peeping Tom element to his life, spying on his neighbor, Kim, you'd think dad could, uh, you know, pump up the the box a little bit to supply him with some better surveillance equipment. You know, <laughs> I mean, he really spends a lot of time getting his uh, spank bank. I mean, of good at stuff. the very least, at the real very least, if the guy's out of town, at least send some porn to him every month. Yeah, something. You know what I mean, I mean, because yeah, you know, I mean, Dad's a freak. You know, Dad's a fucking total freak. Wherever he's at, yeah. he's doing some weird shit. Oh yeah, he's out there getting his fuck on out on the road. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing too. It's like he gets a subscription for these video games. Just yeah, subscribe to some. You know, some wicked some of the video. other things in the back of the magazine. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Dude, that yeah. guy could have that kid could have crates and crates of hustlers in in his house, and we might not know it. Just yeah, saying. well, dude, and he probably doesn't even have to do it. He can just dial up Igor to do it for him. Oh yeah, yeah I'm getting into it. Yeah, so, okay. So, so I'm curious what I want to hear the rest of your list. So we we agree on the bedroom for sure. Yeah, bedroom's great. You already had mentioned the the score is awesome. Um. By you know, George Clinton. I don't know if you guys. Yeah, saw. yeah, I saw that George S. Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the music right from the beginning, the like main mantra theme. That I don't even know what is like heavy piano. That's good. That's pretty iconic. Uh, I really like when. Um, I really appreciated when the trickster goes. Uh, you know, keep keep the trophy in a safe place. And he goes to open the freezer and there's just that <laughs> explosive dive bombs, you know, uh, that was good. Whole score is good. Um, he's got a badass moped, you know, again, nostalgia. Dude, what um, the fuck is up with Eddie Furlong being a way too young to drive a motorcycle kid that drives a motorcycle? Like that's a good question. T two, you yeah, know. I mean, even as a kid, I was like, "Why is he riding a motorcycle? He's ten, right? Ten year olds. Yeah. I don't care who you are, who fucked you up. Ten year olds do not ride motorcycles around L.A. Y- yeah, yeah. And then in this movie, he's got that fucking clown cop up his ass the whole time. Um, <laughs> What's his name? Hayden, Detective Hayden. You know, yep. why doesn't he stop and go, hey, kid, you're crossing police lines and you're illegally riding a fucking moped around. You know, what's the deal Seriously. there? He could have he nailed his ass then and none of this would have happened. You know, Which, I go on. I was going to say, I disagree. It's not illegal to drive a moped. You can get uh, like a writer's permit for when you're like 15. He's yeah, 16 if you in leave your house, the kid never leaves his fucking bedroom. You know, well, it's go to school. Say, if you want to be pedantic about it, it's probably completely <laughs> legal for him to dr- ride a yeah, yeah, okay, a motorcycle. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> this, whatever. This was in my good, not questionable. We should whatever, be moving we, on. Whatever exists in the real world, we still have to 
go by the possible logic of this movie, and I'm with Brandon. Kids is, okay. kid's not going out to get a permit for a moped. Fair uh, enough. So moving on, I really appreciated the mischievous animals throughout the film. Um, you know, there's three different instances where the 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 <laughs> the little bastard cat in the first kill scene, he's just watching yeah. it happen. You know, just watched the whole thing. Didn't move. Yeah, just man, fuck William Ted's. That guy, he looked crazy. Anyway, so fuck him. Good riddance. He probably didn't feed the cat or anything. That cat just watch him die. You know, I that mean, was it just cool. Speaks to the sociopathic nature of cats in general. I mean, these cats do not give a shit about human beings. No, they it's, don't. It's they it. don't. They certainly don't. Um, then you have the canine, you know, dog that goes running off with the foot. <laughs> That was good. You know, just about blew the biscuit there for for our man, uh, Michael. Uh, and then in the end, there's a little mischievous raccoon. It's kind of cute, and the, and the dog comes back. So just appreciated the uh, the nod to the the mischief makers of the world. That was nice. Um, well, and then I was going to say the main mischief maker, which I'm assuming you're going to get to. It, yeah, well, okay. right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the 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 main villain I thought was great. You know, the trickster. He's like, what did we say? He is he's like, he's like, if slash and leprechaun. if slash and the leprechaun had a child or something. You oh, know, Adam and I, I had my bounce some ideas off of each other already, and we're about to unload them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I. What did I say? I said. It's it's Ted Danson meets Howie Mandel from Little Monsters. <laughs> yeah, Krista brought up Little Monsters too. Dude, that's yeah. like a total like like it just the trickster's presence in general and how frustrating it is right off the bat just kind of like speaks it kind of like reminded me of Maurice from Little Monsters. Um, yeah. And Fred Savage. But what else did we say? We said uh, I said, said drop dead Fred. I said drop dead well, Fred on crack. That is a that was a nail on the head one. Drop dead Fred <laughs> on crack. Yeah. And then I think I finished it out by like Cookie from the Bozo Show, but but strangely distorted by Mr. Burns's nuclear power plant. <laughs> so yeah, there's a number. Yeah. Of that. yeah, he's he's clearly the star of the show. Um, good makeup, good costumes all around. They're very they're very um, appropriate for the time you got kyle the kind of fucking uh doofus best friend who's just covered in flannel you notice that when he's walking around he's got one flannel on and a backup flannel around his waist just in case you never know the 90s man Um, yeah it's 90s hell yeah we all we all knew a kid like that that was me was that kid that was me that yeah that was me that kyle other than the doofy part because I was never like, but that was me. Leather jacket, multi-layers of fucking flannel, combat boots, whatever. Some sort of like totem or amulet around my neck. That yeah. was me. Begging your best friend to play his new interactive video game. Yeah. Absolutely. Mix, mix in your stripy clothes with your flannels. Couldn't get enough flannel. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, you yeah. got to have your... You're matching but opposing like, patterns. You gotta, you gotta let me borrow your Game Boy. You gotta <laughs> let me play your Game Boy. 
<laughs> yeah, dude. Oh my God. We'll, we'll get into it. But um, yeah, he is that guy. So while I'm here, borrow me the brain scan. Just leave, Kyle. I mean, whatever. Uh, and then it, I didn't know really where to put this, but it was notable. And I think in the end, I, I, I'm pretty sure I like it. <laughs> the um, the soundtrack is cool, you know, all of the bands aside from the score, but just the fact that the music that. He, the trickster's thumbing through all of Michael's music and he goes, Michael, don't you have anything good? And he pulls oh out gosh. this, you know, spooky devil went down to Georgia, you know, this, the song, whatever it is. And it's Primus. It's Primus. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he screams oh like some animal from the Amazon and he dances around like a goober. I, I didn't know if I didn't like, I just didn't know how I felt about it. But uh, in the end, I I think I like it. I think we have to default to that being part of the good list. Yeah. Like anything else would be uncivilized. Yeah. I don't know, man. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I, I I mean, there's, there's a lots of little things, but just kind of wrap it up with that, that, um, I guess the last thing I'd say is I like the kind of silliness that's sort of indicative of this type of movie from this time period, you know, um, the silliness of like the video game taking over. And then you get, it kind of opens the door to be able to have such a bizarre and dumb character like the trickster. And, you know, you can suspend your disbelief about it as I don't know. It makes it fun. But uh, yeah, that's my good. All right, right. Adam, Adam, you want to take your good next? I don't have a lot that you guys didn't already talk about. Like I said, this is a lopsided episode. Yeah, I'll go into mine because I know you're going to have more to say in the bad category. Well, yeah, because I do have one notable thing that I want to talk about. So go ahead, say your piece, and then I will add my... My one thing that I really do like about this, which is a kind of a general theme with certain movies, but go ahead. Right on. Well, I'm going to start by saying anything Eddie Furlong is great. So the, so the yeah, good, I I love Eddie Furlong, especially in the the early '90s era. The know? early '90s is really all I know. I mean, he just kind of disappeared. There was like an eight year, '91 or so, to '98. Where he was just dropping some great films. Yeah, I should I should bite my tongue there. He doesn't really have like a, a really early child child era, and he definitely like didn't do anything, you know, notable later on. Like he just like you said, he disappeared. He kind of like reappeared a little bit, but I mean, really, this era of Eddie Furlong is all we really have, right? You know? But it's ingrained in my childhood, and I love it. Um, yeah. So. Eddie Furlong, always an, an enjoyable presence in any movie that he's in. Um, I think, you know, I I don't want to sideline you too long, but I think that's actually how me and my brother found this movie because American Heart, have you ever seen that one? Uh, he's great in that movie. Obviously, T2, um, he's real good in that, Pet Cemetery 2. And so we just kind of picked this movie up blindly just seeing that his name was in the roster around that same era of time. So yeah. I, I would agree with you. That's how a lot of like 
decisions were made back in that time period too. Where it's like, oh, I got to watch this movie that I haven't seen with this person in it, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, another good for me was the Aerosmith Get a Grip poster in Kim's room. <laughs> it's um, Yeah, it, I read a thing because I didn't notice it. I think it's also in Michael's room. It's the same You same know, it, to the point where I couldn't – like I thought – I mean I know I saw it in Kim's room, but I thought that too. I was like, didn't I see this earlier too in a different room? So yeah, right. it could be in both rooms or maybe that I was just remembering a scene in Kim's room earlier. Well, the funny – yeah, the funny thing about the rooms to me is they're confusing because they look so similar. Yeah, you know? It it's kind of confusing through the movie if you – to know where – what – where you're at sometimes. Also, multiple times throughout this movie, I was convinced that Kim's bedroom, as well as the backyard where they're having that that bro down party. Yeah. Same location is in Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Right. I yeah. thought the same thing. Yeah. Like, That's I hilarious. Was like, it's just like, probably isn't the same location, but just really, really reminded me of it instantly. I'm like, it's definitely not the same location because that was filmed in California, but it definitely right. gave me the same vibe. This was filmed in Canada. Gotcha. That in itself was kind of a good for me, but yeah, that Aerosmith album, get a grip. I, I mean, I literally remember when it came out, it was my second CD that I ever purchased. Um, loved, loved that record. It's really a piece of garbage now, but, um, yeah, as a kid, I was like, oh, wow, music. I, right. I like music. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. like this. <laughs> but, uh. So, yeah, and the, the video for Eat the Rich was on regular rotation. So, anyway, that poster was good. Uh, I also really – I really liked the – when they do like the neighborhood watch recruitment. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you will never find a a – group of bigger fucking 90s losers <laughs> the bumbling neighborhood yeah like I, you there was one dude that was wearing a fucking bow tie for some reason <laughs> i mean these dudes like there was like a spectrum of like 90s douches in yeah. this group of people that were gonna like find the killer right i really liked that that was awesome um <laughs> Let's see. I think that's it for me. Uh, you know, I did. I, I can mirror a lot of what you said was good about it too, sure, Brent. Sure. I'll be honest. Most of the good from this was just like me, just like fucking around and picking out stuff that was ignorant and stupid. Yeah, so. I mean, it's very much the same for me. This movie falls into a movie that I appreciate a lot because of its absurdity. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's like totally. um, it's like the diet, um. God, I don't even know where to place it. It's not even like Nightmare, but it's just like a diet type of character and a type of trope where it's, you know. Honestly, it had it had elements. Dude, when 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 I was first watching it, so this is one of the bads for me, and I'll get into that later. But the, the I was almost getting like Lawnmower Man vibes in the very beginning. Right. You yes. Know, like, like, like almost like, oh, this is going to be like a really fucking creepy science fiction like – borderline Stephen King-ish type of like fuck zone, you know? Yeah. Like, so I was misled, but yes. we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that. But anyway, that's what, that's all I got. Okay. Okay. So you guys have been tiptoeing around so many bads and questionables for me. Well, I can't I'm wait sure, to open that pit up. I, this movie, it's, 
it's hard to talk about one thing without the other. And I'm tr- yeah. for the for the sake of context of the show, you know, I'm I. <laughs> Yeah. You know those you you know those UFC right. fights where somebody gets like just slightly knocked down, but then the guy runs on top of him and just punches the shit out of him before <laughs> the referee can call it. Yeah. That's, a, that, that's how about that's how this is about to end. I I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. Well but let me let me cap this off by by reiterating maybe some of the goods that I liked about this. Um <clears throat> I feel like the majority of the budget went into creating the effects of the trickster emerging from the television, which was pretty rad. It was but otherwise, rad, yeah. That part is amazing. I love that. But then when it delves into any other aspect of the CGI world, I'm just like, no, no, thank you. But the, him emerging from the TV itself, I love that part. And you can tell they just they took three fourths of the budget and just <laughs> right into that <laughs> just that scene. Um, and yeah, I love the the trickster makes this movie, and it's so wild to me that this is really the only thing that T. Ryder Smith kind of did in that capacity, as far as I can tell. Yeah. You know, this is one of those type of movies that you know when they got the screenplay for this, the, the studio was like just dollar signs because they're thinking man sequels merchandising there's so many movies like real quick adam do you think like you bring up the special effects with the tv still though do you think that eddie furlong after watching t2 and then watching this do you think at some (laughs) point he was like he was like man my career is going downhill i gotta do something about this this is this is the end Yeah, this is this is the because, full, and, because like, I mean, it kind of is. Yeah. It's like the fulcrum point from when he's like he's just sailing. He's gonna be the next Tom Cruise, and then oh, here's the fucking tipping point. Because by all means, Eddie Furlong could have been like a like a Leonardo DiCaprio in some sense, but yeah, it's just you know obviously you. You're going to have to take away some of the talent there, which obviously is. Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. American History X was 98. So we can just suggest that maybe all paths lead to becoming a Nazi. (laughs) Perhaps. Well, if all paths become leading to Nazi, and this is almost like early cancel culture, because no matter how good you are in that role, you're still a skinhead. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) See, see, but that's where I disagree. So for me, Eddie. This is also in my good because, yes, Edward Furlong is quintessential 90s nostalgia guy in a lot of ways. I feel like he had an eight-year run there that ended quite spectacularly with Detroit Rock City, which is one of my favorite movies that he was in. And that was like after that, then that's when it's kind of like he kind of goes off off the grid. He goes off the reservation, essentially. But this is what I'll say about him, though. And it's funny because John Flynn apparently mentioned this. He just never had the acting chops. I'm sorry. Like, he's not that great of an actor. He's pretty. Definitely not. Yeah. But, you know. He's just got an enjoyable, nostalgic presence that you can't deny. Kind of like a a Jonathan Brandis in a way. Right. It's like, like, yeah, go on. Yeah. So, yes, I I enjoy him for the associations. I, I will say this. So his character in Terminator 2 was so – it made such an impression on me 
because I was about the same age when that came out that literally I dressed like that. I wore the, the public enemy shirt with the army fatigues and I shaved the sides of my head to it. Like That's that right. was, that was my look at that time. Yeah, so, you, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I, dressed, I dressed like Bobby Budnick in that movie. So I don't, I don't okay. <laughs> I was just, yeah. I was, yeah, as we're talking about this, every single movie in that eight year run, he plays the same character. He plays kid with chip on his shoulder. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Like outcast kid with chip on the shoulder. 100% that's what he what he plays. But um yeah, so T Ryder Smith also missed opportunity I feel like as far as maybe this kind of might have sank his career too cuz he doesn't have much of a filmography like before or after this. Um the one thing I wanted to talk about like is the overarching theme that I do enjoy and I never really thought about this until you actually brought it up that there is a there's parallels to Nightmare on Elm Street. Um I like the idea of this, the genie, the gin. That's yeah. basically what this is. You know, this is letting the genie out of the bottle. That's what a trickster is. is and, you know, appeasing the trickster or the genie somehow. Like, you you know, you want to get something out of them, but they're going to take more from you. Yeah, exactly. And so we were, ta- we were discussing this when we were watching this. And this is kind of why we brought up, like, you know, a slash or um, just like that twisted sister look meets leprechaun because yeah, (laughs) Yeah. he's, he's out to get you always. And you think about, you think about how he's this metaphysical being. He can just be anywhere clearly because when he's in the game or he's attached to the game, you know, Oh, I was there, Michael, when you cut his foot off, like, well, we don't see that. So you, it just kind of suggests that he's anywhere and everywhere always. Um, but, right. you know, with that thought, you would you – one would stand to reason that, well, he could kill all these people and just go on this killing spree because he's metaphysical anyway. He can just come and go and disappear. He he uses people in the real world to do it right? because he likes it, clearly because he's cruel and he likes yeah. to see people implode their own lives. You know? Yeah, totally. He's I a mean, – he's a, he's a, He's a, a a real bad dude. A sadist. He's a sadist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that will lead me to have maybe some questions, but I think we kind of answered them. And these were questions I had when we were talking about Nightmare on Home Street, too, just about the nature of villains like this in these movies and series. Like, I had the same question about Trick or Treat with Sammy Kerr. It's a recurring theme with me where it's like these malevolent beings from beyond, they set their sights so low. Totally. Let's kill a couple people in a shitty neighborhood. Yeah, Yeah. they're just going for the kids first. How can we fuck with the kids? How can we fuck with the kids in this small town? It's literally the same thing over and over again. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And especially about the president, man. (laughs) he just doesn't want to apply himself he's got some issues that's all yeah well the other thing too is his format i mean his arena is through video games that's going to be his through way fucking parents hate video games at this time in you know in the world in the 90s all of the all of the violence and the censorship and stuff he's going to get limited exposure you know, that's yeah. well, clearly why he's in the back of Fangoria magazine or whatever. Like, man, you are really, you're, you are, uh, you are 
narrowing your opportunities, trickster, by going yeah, after the kids. The only kids that you're going to get to are going to be like the badass kids that don't deserve to have their lives ruined. You're yeah. not going to get some shitty ass church boy. Those right. are the people you should go yeah. after. That, that's, or, why or like that's why I like Freddy That's why I like Freddy Krueger because he does kill the the goody two shoes like suburban rich kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like jocks. Like why do you why do you have a malevolent being emerge from a football? from a fucking iraq z right yeah flying out of the tailpipe of your fucking big badass rolling cold i want to see i want to see a movie where a toe there's an evil toby keith cd (laughs) that's what i mean come on come on man (laughs) yeah that's good that's shit he's setting his size low for sure uh all right so those are my goods so you want to move into the bad uh sure sure um i mean like right off the top i guess the movie (laughs) in entirety is pretty bad (laughs) but i I, you know not gonna get into that for me i'm sorry i'm still losing it over the the fucking haunted toby keith cd Wipe out, wipe out that part of America. Like that is who we need to kill in a horror movie. Yeah. The haunted mega cap. Come on, man. <laughs> They're safe though. They're uh, safe. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Yes. The, the so, entire um, movie. <laughs> okay. So two two real bads for me are the fucking. I don't even know why this bothers me so much, but the. The whole moniker at the, it's like saying, being forced to say, I love you to your mom or your grandma or something in front of your, your, your pals, the buddies forever deal that these got going, Kyle and Michael buddies forever. And Michael kind of acquiesces buddies forever. It's really important to Kyle, you know, (laughs) that didn't bother me none. Oh, it bothers the shit out of me. Dude, you know why? Because, because that's just like a straight up. That's like a like when you when you think about other movies that came out in the nineties, like fucking Three Ninjas or something. Like that's that's where that's coming into play. You know, like you gotta have some camaraderie between the children. You yeah. know? Fine, sure. You it's know, like a Goonies I, thing, you know, like I, I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not gonna argue that this kid definitely needs some kind of friend. He's a fucking oh, he's yeah. a fuck up. But the buddies <laughs> forever. And then of course, you know it's Kyle, his proof of of you know him or whatever uh what's her name uh uh kim comes over er, later in the movie with that shit written down and it says buddies forever on the bottom of it which proves that you know he's dead or whatever yeah Yeah, bad i I could do without it and then the yeah go sorry before we get too far because i did have one good but it's also in my bads and my questionables let me just okay. throw it in here real quick. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to interject. Uh, the peeping Tom, peeping on the neighbor girl trope. That is definitely a trope from the 80s and the 90s that is kind of like nostalgic for me, but is bad. So go ahead. There you go. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think I just want to say it's it's bad because we really don't know how old either of these two kids are. Like, do they specify it? I don't think they do. Well, in, in no, they don't. And I was right. gonna say, there's you. Sh- you see her cans. 
You and it's totally a part of the Jesus teenage I, girl. I, I remember some like side boob, but it's like I don't even want to say side boob if we're talking about like a fucking fourteen year old. No, no, but like okay, I'll rest 20. your mind. I'll rest your mind a little. Edward Furlong <clears throat> was the age of his character, but Kyle yeah. and Kim were older. They, I think they were yeah, in their twenties. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not disputing that that the actors themselves were like old enough to be in a scene like that. But I still, I don't know about you guys, but I always, even to this day, when I see some fucking Netflix show about teenagers or some shit. It always makes me feel weird to see like any type of like sexualized portrayal of kids in a show, regardless of how legal it might be for the actors to be in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't like that being a story that I'm that I'm watching, if that makes sense. We John, you we've had a that wholesome discussion. guy for killing people yeah. in your fucking basement. You are a wholesome guy. <laughs> well, why do you well, think he's he, killing people? The dichotomy. <laughs> The dichotomy is what lures people downstairs. So <laughs> you, you kill them yeah. with kindness and then you just kill them with knives. I mean, hey, I can't yeah. show somebody my basement if they think that I'm gonna kill them. So yeah, you can't yeah, true. but you also can't show anybody who's gonna survive your basement. You know? That's true. Well, listen, I, I like I said before, I think I've got it down pat. So until I fuck up. Just let the track record speak for itself. Yeah, for uh, sure. It's one way. Well, I was gonna say that is a that's a discussion John and I have had just in our own time about you know the limits of of those sort of portrayals. So it is interesting. I don't think we should go too far down the rabbit hole with that. But I did want to say that it's not just side boo. You definitely see her nipple in this. Yeah, and it's implied okay. that she's a teenage girl. And I have my own kind of like weird kind of feelings about it as well but again we'll we'll, we'll, we'll put those to the side for now we need to go ahead I also, with more. I also don't know if this movie is even worth that type of political discussion so it's not <laughs> also it's weird that that's even in there like they could have totally dispensed with having any sort of nudity at all like i i understand showing like some skin and and showing like her like maybe in her pajamas or whatever like you can tow you can tiptoe up to that line but you didn't have to like, that's like, to me, that's an obvious just ploy, you know, like, oh, the teenage dude ploy. Like, it also, it also does speak a, to like, that time period, though, like unnecessary parts like that are, are very much expected, you know. Like, right. So, I mean, it, it is stupid, but at the same time, yeah. it's like, of course, they're going to try to figure out a way to. Like an excuse to have something like that. <laughs> have in. a tit in there, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so. sorry, we're kind of steamrolling over what you were saying, uh, Brandon. So, but. Uh, right. So I was just gonna. The other thing I was gonna point out that um, I just can't look past is the incessant milk chugging through the movie. Just incessant <laughs> milk chugging. Yeah. I mean, you see at the beginning. Can't really remember. He, he. It's like he sniffs the carton or he goes to take a drink and it's gone. He chucks it. He's all upset. Then after the first disc um, that the trickster gives him and he, and he goes and does the kill. Oh man. And he eats some just unknown relic of old fun. I like to call, you know, food, <laughs> old fun. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, it looked like it could have been like a fruit roll up or something. We like kind of thought that it was like a desiccated from the sun 
old bologna sandwich or something. Oh, yeah. kind of came down. But then he Which just – better with milk, I for mean, sure. They do the close-up. You know, and anyone listening would probably know from the last couple of episodes of my commentary, I got a problem with shit going in, in and out of people's face. So yeah, the, yeah, the, the zoom in on him chugging the milk and it leaking down his face, you know, and it's almost like, it's almost like he, he, he needs some sort of like refreshment relief from this intense experience he just had. I mean, milk? I don't know if like a, a, for whatever reason, still full glass of milk that just happened to be sitting there. Like, right. Because he shows us the time that he's got like an hour to be in the movie or in the game when he does the kill and he gets yeah. out of it, he goes, yeah, kicked ass and time to spare with nine minutes. So that suggests he was in there for at least 50 minutes. Who knows how long that full glass of milk was there. That shit is tepid or maybe hot by that point. Disgusting. No shit. <laughs> there ain't no like, busting with a full glass of fucking cow's milk. I mean, and also just like the writing in general, like we can't see this milk in there unless somebody wrote it in there. So it's like, dude, writing room, what the fuck are you thinking? That's not a a refreshment. It can be nice in the middle of the night if you've got a cold glass of milk, but that's, you know, give him a Gatorade, give him a water or something. The boy needs (laughs) electrolytes. We know that. But he's, (laughs) he's basically got an orgasm over stabbing somebody in this virtual world. Why is he drinking a full glass of milk? I just he's a fucking cretin. I mean that that plays right into it. He's a total fucking slobbering cretin. That's quickly that's sold. I, I agree. Quickly sold on so, that. So to the right to the point of what you said about writing room, later in the movie, they give us that imagery of him smashing his full glass of milk. He's mad, he's trashing his room, full glass, toast. So, you know, he we know at this point that he loves the milk. And this is how upset he is, is that he will sacrifice a full glass of vitamin D <laughs> over his frustrations about this video game and the trickster. You know, I just, yeah, yeah yuck. It's icky. But that's really all I wanted to mention for bad. Um, I've got a few. Yeah, give, give them to me. Uh, the trickster. Ooh, ooh! No, no! I, I hope you could tell from my silence. Yeah, you I'm know? throwing a curveball here. Out. This is going to be the point where I get fucking pummeled on the UFC Pentagon or whatever that is. <laughs> um, but the trickster. I was enjoying the movie until this fucking clown showed up. <laughs> like, I love it. I was, like, I was like, all right, this is sick. This is like. A really creepy, like science fiction, like I'm not gonna, you know, feel good about this afterwards, but in a good way. Like this is, you know, this is gonna get intense. I'm sorry, man. Like we said, this this drop dead Fred clone. Yeah, um, crap. Like, dude, the second he showed up, I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is like, <laughs> this is over for me because I'm like, I'm like sitting there. I'm like, at least let me know what I'm getting into. This is where they threw me a curveball. All of a sudden, I'm watching a fucking joke movie. Like, get out of here. Yeah. So, the trickster. That okay. motherfucker did not stop annoying me the entire movie. Interesting. Good character, good character needed to be in a different movie. That is – dude, the trickster should have been Maurice in Little Monsters. 
He should have been that. He should have been in that movie. He should have been boy in Little Monsters. He should have been the main villain at the end of that. Schnick. Movie. He should be Schnick. Schnick. That's right. Well, they, oh yeah, boy is is the other dude. Yeah, he should have been Schnick. I, I'm with you on that. But dude, just put him in a different movie. I was liking where it was going. Like I said, I was getting like Lawnmower Man vibes. Like you know, th- yeah. th- this movie made me think of like <clears throat> Full Moon movies. You know, Doll Man yeah. and 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 um. Puppet Master and stuff like that. It's that same kind of stupid, but obviously has very violent horror. It it is tricky because when you see that guy, it seems like it's a kids movie. It should be exactly. Hundred percent. Believe me, they were continuing to have elements of it not being a kids movie for sure. It's not like it just went full on, but I will be honest with you. I like some consistency in my movie viewing. Um. And when I'm kind of set up for what I think is going to be a certain type of experience, and then all of a sudden it becomes not that at all, I feel let down. I'm, I'm almost like, okay, I'm going to stick this out, but God damn it. So, <laughs> that's, that's my first bad. Okay. My second bad is the scene where Kim is like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know, yeah. and yelling up to him from like his balcony or whatever. Right. Just come on. You guys need to do better with this. I don't care how bad your movie is. Shouldn't be this bad. So Okay, I'll take scene, it. That scene. I, um, I'm, I'm just a little, still a little awestruck. You came out guns blazing about the trickster. Just I put know, the, dude, smack I you down on, the smack down <laughs> on the focal point of the movie. I feel like I just, I just, uh, like accidentally turned up the football game too loud in the middle of a funeral or something. <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree with you. I I actually agree with you, especially with, to the whole point of it possibly leading you on to being that creepy kind of virtual reality lawnmower man sort of vibe to that swerve. But that to me just says how low the bar is set for this movie, that the trickster is the best aspect of it. Sure. Yeah, and you know what? I, I will give because uh, Brandon, I could see you're, you're still speechless. You're like, you're like, you're like, I'm gonna need some time off. Can I use some PTO from Midnight Flicks for a little bit? Like, uh, Man, Jeez. Uh, I I think Fucking that body the, slam my guy. Jeez. The way I can the way I can kind of mend this this like <laughs> slight this slight Indian burn here is like I'll go ahead and say. Like I said it earlier, but I'll just reiterate. Good character. I just wish he was in a different movie. That's all. Okay. That hey, yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna argue. I'm not gonna argue with you uh, about any of these points. I just man, trickster. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, dude. Um, I love it. Yeah. Um, That's, let's see. I don't. The, the, I don't these are the midnight flicks moments I live for right here. So <laughs> these are the, I yeah, like, yeah. I feel like we've got a great, a great triad of, of, uh, psych, psychotic, uh, intensity in this, in this podcast now with the three of us. This is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I will say, let's see. I, I don't know if I have any more bad. Just Kim, Kim's poor performance in, in, uh, the balcony scene and the trickster, but I think I've said a, a bunch. So yeah, that's all I've got for the bad. I mean, I think that by all means it was an enjoyable watch, 
um, for 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 many reasons, you know. Yeah. Um, I yeah. So that's where I'll that's where I'll leave my dogs. The dog's got some things to say about the trickster too. I was gonna say either the dog is the trickster, and he's like he's like waiting for his moment to kind of ruin our episode, basically the same way he ruined this movie for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do want to say one more thing that's not really a bad, but I want to say if they ever do a reboot of this movie, I think the trickster should be modern day Eddie Furlong. Like that's who I think should play. The- <laughs> I was thinking Macaulay Culkin would be good. Oh, that would be good. Just a gaunt, yeah. emaciated, disgusting fucking decrepit like- of child movies past. Dude, Macaulay Culkin is like seriously almost like the 2023 version of Vincent Price. Like almost, <laughs> like, like almost if you just like turned somebody into a like a 1930s skeleton. Yeah, I, I was thinking more like a Max Shrek, a silly putty, yeah. leash blonde Max Shrek, but whatever. Okay, uh, do you have any more bads, John? Oh, yeah, I'm good. I, I think I've I think I've exhausted myself at this. Yeah, point. yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's give the floor to our guy because I know he's uh, he's going to take up the brunt of the episode here. No, no. I'll just make it quick. It'll be quick ones. But they, uh, my bads or some of your goods, much like with you doing that swerve with the trickster. I actually hate the soundtrack for this. Think it's terrible. That screeching industrial music accompanying the murders drives me <laughs> fucking crazy. Um, as much as the only thing about like the non incidental music aspect of the soundtrack that I enjoyed was hearing the white zombie. I was like, yeah, because that was sick. And here's the thing: I actually like Primus, but that part just drove me up the fucking wall that that (laughs) was his his music that he is going fucking cuckoo for cocoa puffs over (laughs) well that's why i said i didn't know where to put it in the end just because of the absurdist quality i go this guy this metaphysical fucking like bad guy has yeah you can only assume um the ability to have anything out there. I mean, the nineties was full of crazy, gnarly fucking death metal and grind and just insane satanic shit. And he puts on Primus that gets his, gets his engine going. Yeah. Listen, I will say this. I don't disagree with you, but at the same time, if it were any other movie, I think I would have been more on point with what you're saying. But by the time that part came on, I was just like, sure. No problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, that plate of food that the trickster is eating, that <sighs> mulligan stew of hot dogs and bananas and tater barrels. I, I started to get revolted seeing him just him slovenly smacking away at his his pile of Whatever his pile of trickster goop. <laughs> I was like, you. you can only assume that he's doing that to offend everyone because Absolutely, if he is what he is, he doesn't need to eat. And this is no. what he chooses to eat. It's fucking See, I'm you, straight, I agree. I agree. Out of straight out of little monsters. Even this him eating all this morbid food from like that's just a straight up scene from that movie. 
Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was super bummed out about that. Uh, my uh, retort to your one of your goods, that fucking Aerosmith poster being so ubiquitous in this movie also made me want to gouge my fucking eyes out. Oh, Two different cool. stage sets. Two different fucking stage sets. Couldn't you have picked anything else? Dude, I'm pretty sure it's in there but, three times, actually. Jesus. Three times. Don't you you okay, you you don't think that's fucking like I mean, okay. I think my brain is configured to see something like that and be like, that's awesome. Even though it's obviously not awesome. It's it's so obviously like a promotional placement thing. And that's the thing with that album. It was so ubiquitous at the time. And so, you know, because I'm a little bit older than you guys, here's the thing. Like, I approach these type of movies in this era, I think, a little bit more with a complicated kind of set of feelings because... I lived so much of my life in the 80s that, like, a lot of my nostalgia and what is hardwired in my brain is clearly rooted in the 80s. So before I even got into the 90s, you know, that was where I was thinking. And so a lot of these 90s throwback trope type of stuff and revisiting, it just doesn't land for me. Like, I'm just like, were you born, Adam? Are you willing to say that on the air? I'm not willing to say that, but let's just say that I lived through the entire 80s. <laughs> Come on, man. This isn't, this isn't fucking Melrose Place. Just out with it. I don't tell people my age. Dude, you can you're kinda, like fucking, you, Dude, you're, you this never, is like some... This is like a 90s... This is like a 90s supermodel thing that you've got going you, on here right now. You, don't ask a lady her age. It's... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, but, I'll just... I'll, I'll just say I turned 40 in August. And I... Yeah. I, so I'm older than was, you. Yeah. All right. So, okay. If you can... If you can confirm you're older than me, then that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I'm older than you. So... So let's... Okay. I'll, I'll even dance around it more. When that album came out... I was in eighth grade. All right. So nice. So there you go. So here's the thing. I, again, I have this complicated set of feelings with it because yes, at the time I was like, sure. Why not? Cause like I loved Aerosmith Aerosmith. I grew up with Aerosmith. Like I grew up with classic rock radio. One of my first CDs was Aerosmith's greatest hits. Love all that early Aerosmith. I think it's amazing. And they tarnished their legacy so bad by becoming such a fucking hack joke band that was just plastered everywhere like i get it man get paid motherfuckers but like that the promotional uh blitzkrieg behind get a grip was so crazy like just the videos so many videos all the time alicia silverstone eddie furlaw in all the videos you know everywhere i had being the on-air instigator that i am i'm just gonna say so you're (laughs) You're 13 years old in 1991. Yeah. Uh, that makes you born in around 78, which makes you around 45 years old today in 2020. There you go. So, so you're pretty close. You're pretty close. So right you can on. say okay. my age without me saying it. It sounds like Adam might be living on the edge of his existence here. It's kind of Dude, like, Eddie, you know, Beetlejuice in that video. Right? Yes, he was. Beetlejuice can't say his name three times. I don't ever say my age, but you can figure it out. Listen, let's, let's 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 uh, acknowledge this real quick. Maybe that's why the poster was in the movie because of Eddie Furlong's appearance in that video. Could that hundred percent? 
Hundred okay. percent agree. It's like the same thing. It's like, what I was gonna say. Yeah. Did you guys ever watch The Sopranos? Yeah, of course. You like Sopranos? Okay, you go to those early Sopranos episodes, and there is Century Media Records promotional posters in both uh, fucking AJ and uh, and Meadows rooms. There's an over Natan's Madrigal poster hmm. in their okay. room. There's never more oh, posters. Yeah, it's so they were just getting promotional materials to have on air. It's the same thing. I get it, and I, I understand that. There, but it's just like, ah, uh, fuck. I had a girlfriend at the time who wore the Get a Grip shirt, and I mean that is my best association with it because I was like, cool, like I like this girl, and she's wearing this shirt. I like the fact, you know. <laughs> yeah. But in hindsight, I'm like, oh god, like fuck that I mean, record. It's kind of like when you get into like Gorilla Biscuits start today, when you get into hardcore, it's like, you know, 10 or 15 years later, you're going to be like, okay, this sucks. You know? Yeah, so. but man, I will still listen. I will listen to that record any day over any of like the, the reboot, like cleaned up era from there on out Aerosmith when they all got out of rehab. Like permanent vacation I mean, is okay. But then after that, it's like, fuck off. Isn't, isn't pink your wrong. favorite color? <laughs> Did, don't get me wrong get a grip does suck but <laughs> but it's when when you're eight years old and you're like oh shit people play guitars sure dude that's what i'm <laughs> saying like this is this is absolutely the fact that because i'm a little bit older that yeah. i was at that place where i'm like dude i'm listening to fucking death metal at that point you know i'm like no, fuck I, this I, shit i understand it's for a, sure it's the same thing as like you know there was folks my age, you know, when they were eight, they were getting into Bon Jovi. I didn't listen to Bon Jovi. I listened to Elvis when I was that age, yeah. you know? Well, so I never had that nostalgia for that stuff. I got into like hair rock actually much later. I hated it at first. I hated Motley Crue, hated all those bands. It was just like, I kind of had like a late appreciation for it because the guitar the, the the musicianship behind a lot of those bands is pretty amazing, but you know, it was it was Man, now well. You're making, after. Now you're making me you're making me wish that I was listening to fucking Morbid Angel instead of Get a Grip back in those days. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> Again, I mean, I just that's where I that's where I had the upper hand. That's the only. But anyways, I'm taking way too much time on that fucking Aerosmith poster. I'm gonna move on. My last bad, the ending. Okay, that's it. We can move on. <laughs> yeah. The, so the ending is what I the ending is what I meant when I said that this movie leads you in one direction and then goes the other. If you're using the context of modern films, modern movies would do a thing like, "Oh, it was all a dream," you know, and yeah. it wasn't real. This was the game. And then right. everything's cool, and he gets his girlfriend. I mean, it's too good to be true. But then it really is too good be, to be true. He's just on the final inst- – this is – he's within the final installment of the game or something and the trickster is going to come back. There's going to be some final battle. Never happens. I almost like it because of how fucking much of a dud it is. But and yeah. it goes in that direction of this totally could be a kid's movie. Oh, he's going to get back at the headmaster, you know. I'm going to I'm gonna agree with you on the ending and also – 
just to point out how non-biased I am when it comes to not liking endings like this, we Adam, I think I mentioned this on the episode I did with you and Patrick about Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. One of my, if not the favorite movie series of all time for me, and I still think that Nightmare on Elm Street's ending is one of the worst endings. It's terrible. Cinematic history. Like it's so bad. It's and you wouldn't think that you would say that about one of your favorite films. No, but I I hundred percent agree with you about pathetic. that. Dude, yeah. my four year old daughter could come up with a better ending for that movie. It's and I'm gonna it's so <laughs> it's so tacked on and weak. <clears throat> it's very weak, and this this ending was less offensive because I wasn't giving it as much caliber. But yeah, I, I I did not like the ending of this movie, and I really don't like when writing is lazy, and yeah. that's what laziness is when it comes to a movie where it's like, all right, let's just have this not happen. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. They 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 kind of sidestepped the final act which it's sort of leading up to is going to be in favor of it was the game it is the most terrifying ride in this trickster but but the trickster really is in his mind somehow i mean now, one thing i will say just to kind of turn this into a, a sort of good even though that's not what, what category we're on <laughs> you're gonna get, say, you're gonna give a courtesy good yeah i'm gonna <laughs> give a courtesy good here the, I do like the idea, like, like the the psychology behind the this idea of this like very, you know, lone, like Adam, you said it's like the, the the teenager's dream life. But truthfully, we have like a fucked up, lonely, traumatized teenager that has sure. no guidance, no like nothing going for him. Like, abs- I do like the idea that, you know somebody that is lonely and desperate is susceptible to this type of like being engulfed in this type of like morbid fantasy. It, it, it yeah. really just kind of like, it's, it's illustrative. It's almost like artistic in a way like this, this movie. Sure. Um, and I agree. And it also, it leans like, you know, we're talking about why isn't it a haunted Kobe Keith CD? Well, that <laughs> the thing is all these movies, they were built on the, you know, the idea of preying on the typical white suburban parents' fears, right? Which is totally. which is having a, you know, you know, a teenager that is interested in these taboo sort of subject matters. That ultimately, you know, that's the whole premise of that's whole idea behind the Satanic Panic, allowing totally. your child to be a, a channel for evil into your life. Right, all the censorship came about. It's like, okay, let's ignore things like Christianity, which is like really the true evil in this fucking country, and let's let's make it a, more about Marilyn Manson and Mortal Kombat. Right, you know? sure. Yeah, so, well, again, because it it's deflecting from the actual problem. Exactly. That's what we so, do in like, this country. We don't we don't yeah. focus on the systemic, you know, foundational problems that cause people to act the way they do. We focus on these you know, ramifications and symptoms of it. And <laughs> ironically enough, like people create this dark art as a response to the, 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 the shittiness of the world. Yeah, the, 
the cloaked <laughs> morbidity of this stuff that's supposed to be glossy and nice in the media. So yeah. anyway, th- that's my yeah. wokeness. That's my woke hour for, for uh, <laughs> the woke corner. <laughs> yeah, the, woke, the woke corner featuring John Hoffman. Um, but yeah, okay. I, I think we're all on the same page. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, I, 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 right. Uh, are we moving? Are we moving on questions? I, I'm ready if you are. Yeah, I, I can move on. You want to move on to the questionable? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Open it up, Brandon. Off top. What's your questions? Uh, yeah, so I don't know what kind of school he's in, um, but it says on the door that Fromberg is the principal, and then it says on his name in his placard, Dr. Fromberg. What is what is happening here? I don't know if I'm supposed to look into it too much, but I'll be honest with you. The 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 just speaking from experience, my elementary school, like yeah. my principal was was Doctor Hinnerlong. Interesting. Like, so, so maybe it's you know yeah. maybe that's what it is. It's just it's kind of like clearly the dude comes from some kind of money because look at his house and he lives in basically alone. He probably lives in a school that or goes to a school that's okay. So he's probably got like a some kind of professor as a principal. Okay, fine. What wait, real quick, while we're on the subject of the principal, I have a question. Yeah. Why is the principal dressed like fucking Grover Cleveland? <laughs> like Poindexter. <laughs> yeah, like why why is this dude in, in nineteen ninety four dressed like he's like, you know, about to deliver the Gettysburg Address or some shit. Well, like he he clearly <laughs> cannot get a hang on any any kind of counterculture. He goes, "Help me understand about these movies." You know, I just he's from I another mean, time. Yeah, no doubt he's supposed to be a square, but I think they went a little bit overboard on his wardrobe. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, they were a little heavy handed there. Um, uh. I thought it was interesting <laughs> when Michael looks out his window and there's that party going on. You know, next door, and he decides, ah, I'm gonna, you know, sit down and play this video game or whatever. And then, and then Kim calls him, but he put his told Igor put the calls in silent. Well, the the party's in full swing by the time he looks out his window. So why did she call him so goddamn late? I mean, they're clearly pals. Some, you know, to some degree, she comes over to his house and. And uh, delivers him the mail and stuff like that. So I thought it was weird that um, this party is is well underway. And then he looks out and goes, "Yeah, not going to go. Wasn't invited to begin with. You know, <laughs> kind of weird. Um, the crazy Igor is set up. What the fuck is that? Touch on that as like one of the goods, just because it's kind of cool. No, um, yeah, right, yeah. it's kind of cool, but it's it's like the um, I I don't know a projection. It's one of those unexplained. I mean, you could kind of chalk that up to the setup of the room in general. I mean, dude, he's got like a fucking cylinder with bubbling water in it, yeah, just going down from the ceiling to the floor. Like, I mean. It's a progenitor of Alexa or something. Hey Google. Yeah, he's got he's kind of got like a mad scientist lab going in his room. Yeah. Um, so it it makes sense that he would somehow concoct this like, you know, this like telephone service. Yeah, Damn essentially. It, right? Well, essentially an AI. He's it's got an AI that runs the whole room. 
It probably delivers yeah. them that fucking milk too. <laughs> you know, that, that's another, yeah. that's another, that's another trope from the eighties and nineties. I, I, I feel is not revisited anymore. It's kind of like, you know, the, 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 the brainy misunderstood outcast, you know, genius right. type kid that, yeah, can program. Yeah. Yeah. Can program an Igor AI to do his bidding or whatever. Yeah. But that, so. that, that is offering a lot of suspension of disbelief. We don't see any of that in this character. We see his trauma. No. We see his dumb friend and right. we see him playing video games, you know? Sure. No, I, um, I agree. But, you know, it's kind of like a, it seems like it's kind of like the easy answer. Kind of like in a lot of zombie movies or something. Why are the zombies? Toxic waste. You know, that's a good answer, right? So yeah. uh, you get video game kid. Naturally, he's going to have this insane fucking AI in his room or something. Um, but yeah, that's weird. It's cool, but it doesn't make any sense. Um, it's like, a, you know, spy movies when they... <laughs> I always love just any computer in a movie. It seems like they show you the screen and there's fucking pie charts and algorithms, you know, like some matrix stuff and um, line graphs going all at the same time. You go, is this just supposed to suggest these people are uber smart? I mean, who uses a pie of spinning pie graph on on their (laughs) screen? I honestly think when people wrote '90s movies, they just thought like, "Okay, I want something cool in this in this scene." <laughs> like, yeah, it's just it's easy to explain away without really using a lot of time to just say, "Oh, computer, smart computer." That's that's what it is. But yeah, Brandon, um, we interacted with that recently when we watched Swordfish over I'm, here, and I pointed it out then. The, 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 the smart computer with the pie charts and the fucking, you know, barometer and all this weird shit on it. Um, yeah. Okay. Did you guys pick up on this? You know, when he goes into the first person um, that gets killed, William Ted's, he goes into his house and the trickster, you know, pick one, choose one of the weapons or whatever hanging from the fucking rack above the island in the middle of the kitchen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> naturally, he's going to pick the knife because what other options do you have? The barbecue tongs and the spatula? <laughs> That's getting really creative. But my question is, who who on this planet hangs knives overhead over top of your main eatery area, you know, you know, around your countertop or something. I mean, it was pot, it was a bit misplaced. Pots and pans, pots and pans, fine, sure, right. You're not going to swing your hand up and cut it off, you know. Um, yeah, we pointed that. I pointed that out every time I watch this movie, even since I was a kid. Well, who's got a fucking butcher knife hanging above their head? It, it kind of reminded me of that that scene in Pulp Fiction where he's just like where Butch is just looking for a weapon and he's like looking around and he's like hammer machete. Yeah. Like he's in the, like all of a sudden there's just a knife. Like, all right, well, here's your weapon. Yeah. This fucking William Ted's, he deserves to die. If he hangs his fucking knives up like that, (laughs) I guess. I was going to say this, this psychopath definitely needs to get murdered. And yeah. (laughs) And and speaking of guys, the poor guy's like the the default for a choose your own adventure murder game. So <laughs> I think he's he's got his fate sealed regardless. So. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of this dude, 
does William Tadsy, does he really need to thrash around the room so hard when he gets stabbed in the back? I mean, that's, that was one of mine. You can, you can only imagine that a person is in absolute fight or flight mode when they're stabbed in their sleep. But thinking about it from another way, if he is thinking about him living at all, he should be considering that the cops are not responsible for cleaning up your wrecked house. He's just, well, let me go from the blinds to my bookcase. What else can I trash in this room before I wallow and cover the fucking light carpeted floor in blood? You know? Totally. And, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but getting stabbed with a knife is not an adrenaline shot. I wouldn't think it's, so. It, it looks like he stabbed in the spine. I'm pretty sure he'd just be going sleepy time. Right, right. That and, would be like, it. You know, if he if he is struggling to do something, he's probably going to be trying to either pull the knife out or at least like grab his attacker. You know, no. Instead, yeah. he wanted to trash that bookcase and the fucking blinds and every other guy. It's kind of like in 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 movies in the nineties, action movies where they their fight the fight breaks out in a store and everything in the store is used as a weapon, and just, <laughs> it's a war zone. You know, like Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah. Totally. Um, it reminded me of uh, Kill Bill 2 where Daryl Hannah gets her eye ripped off and she literally is just like thrashing around the entire bathroom. Yeah. Um, right. But that's a scene where it works. That scene's amazing. Oh, totally. I love it. It does work. But it's like it's like this dude's going to have a, the same reaction being stabbed in the middle of the night in while sleeping. Right. I'm with you <laughs> yeah. on that one. <laughs> okay. So – in that same scene, after he stabs a dude and he thrashes his own house like an idiot, and then uh, <laughs> make sure he's dead. What does he do to make sure he's dead? He pushes his face a little bit with his shoe, you know, kick him a little. Is he dead? I mean, <laughs> I loved, I love like the, the kind of like the support system that he has in this game. Like he's, it's almost like he's wearing a headset and he's just like, all right. All right. He's getting you the walk. He's, yeah, he's getting the 90s version of a walkthrough. Yeah, yeah. Make sure he's dead. Make sure he's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Mr. Keller, uh, could be Peller. I didn't have subtitles, but Kim's dad, Kim's parents. And when, when, um, let's see, where is it in the movie? So Michael comes to, to see Kim. He opens the door and he's completely incredulous right from, from the beginning, arms crossed, glaring at Mike. And he goes, uh, you know, hi, Mr. Keller. I'm here to see Kim. They go in the house. The mom looks totally surprised that they have company. Dad goes, he came to see Kim. Who else yeah, could he be comes, coming he to comes see? In like, he comes in like <laughs> 20 seconds later too. Like how long does it take you to follow somebody into your house? Yeah. The, yeah, exactly. Right. But, I mean, my main question is, who did the dad, who did Mr. Keller think that he would be coming to see that he would have to announce it to his wife? Oh, he came to see Kim. What did he come to see <laughs> her? You know, the mom. <laughs> and I also think it's just the, the the delay is funny because it's like there's this awkward, like literally like 15 seconds where he's standing in the room with his with his wife, just the two of them. And then. All of a sudden, the guy, the 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 Kim's dad, just kind of catches up and like walks in. Right. It's like he came. He came. He came to see Kim. It's like, yeah, I know. We've been talking about it already. Yeah. <laughs> he already told me. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> um, okay. I. 
I'm sure this will open up more of a discussion, and it's it's kind of answered in the in the final reveal of the movie that it all was the game or whatever. But if the trickster is this kind of omnipresent force, why does he why does he need to give Michael any of the discs? You know, I mean, clearly. It's like a poltergeist thing. You have to invite me in. That's what he says right at the beginning. You know, who are you and how'd you get here? You you welcomed me. That's how it always happens. But that he keeps giving him discs to play. Why why does it why would he even need to do that? It doesn't make any sense. You get the first game, you're introduced in, uh, and now he's in the game. Is it just like a cruelty thing that he's he's trying to get Michael to go along with the Something that he obviously doesn't want to do, which is crime. I, do you know what I'm saying? I yeah, I think it's like another one of those, like, just forced, like, okay, we want this to at least appear kind of interesting and cool, right? You know, um, because yeah, so much of it becomes about like him not having control over how much this asshole is disrupting his life, you know. So it's like, what's the point of even? I, I, I agree. Like, what's the point of even having? this thing I need to put in my, my, you know, CD-ROM right. at this point. Well, I, I think it's also just to showcase the technology of the time over and over. Hey, you know, once again, product placement. Yeah. Hey, look, we're, we're selling CD-ROMs here. Right. <laughs> we're selling yeah. get a grip records here. Yeah. <laughs> I really also packaging the packaging from that that the CD comes in is pretty cool. How it's got like yeah. the 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 repeated logo down the side it almost looks like something that would come from like some grindcore label or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is it maybe maybe this is just uh, I don't know because I didn't grow up with neighbors, but is it normal for your neighbor to just rummage through your mailbox and bring it to your door? You know, when Kim opens the door, oh, I got your mail for you. Thanks. I mean, why? Why did you do that? Yeah. I don't think that's that odd. I think that's like if, you, if you're friends with somebody, they're just doing a, they're just doing you a solid, a friendly. It depends on right. if it's, I'll say it depends on if it's either, if it's on the stoop or like on the driveway, like, you know, like people would occasionally bring your paper up to the front door. You know, I remember that. Yeah, but if it's in the mailbox, it's like get the fuck out of my mailbox. That's kind of what I. I'm, that's what I. That's where I am with that. It's a felony, honestly. Right, <laughs> it is a um, felony. Yeah, so then you got uh, Detective Hayden with his completely just no problem just breaking into this kid's house when he's not home to steal some ash. You know, I, I had that Hayden Circum entering without a warrant. Circumstantial evidence would just get fucking tossed out and he would probably lose his job. But yeah, nah, he's willing to bend the rules. I mean, in to that point, there is a lot of just walking into people's houses. The guy that gets shot in the end, he's just in dude's house. I mean, what's up with his neighborhood and just breaking into people's places, you know? Yeah. Also, like, also he gives like. And granted, you know, I know this is all part of like the game and it's like he wakes up and it's like, okay, this is not real. So that we also have to consider that too, which is also just, I'm not giving it a pass because it's lazy. But one thing I will say, do you have something to say, Adam? Well, yeah, I was just going to say, it's funny that you mentioned that and I didn't even have this thought. A lot of movies, even movies I love, get this kind of pass for nonsensical inconsistency in writing as being dream logic. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, what I was going to say was like, let's, let's toss that for a second and actually hold this movie accountable. Um, Yeah. What he gives the speech to like the, the search block. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, if any of you use weapons or, or harm this person, like you'll, you'll be in trouble basically. And then he just goes into the fucking house and the move, the, his dream like thing ends with him. This supposedly courteous cop just, I'm going to take a gun out and shoot a child that's actually not doing anything at the moment. Like, yeah, the whole was- so, so many questions about the whole search party okay. arrangement thing. Yeah, I'm going to let you, yes. I'm going to let you handle it, but right. Just popping anybody on the street, nabbing them and, and, you know, and basically putting them in an arm bar. That, that seems a little questionable. Well, I'm, well that's that's what, okay. He goes into Kim's house and shoots Eddie Furlong. Like he shoots right. Michael at the end. Yeah. It's like, but also he straight up says anybody caught wielding a firearm in this search party will be summarily arrested. And then there's multiple guys that have hunting rifles walking around. And then one of them shoots the cop. Right. Thinking he is the The murderer. And what does Hayden do? Well, you're going to have to tell his wife. What? (laughs) Yep. Yep. Did you learn your lesson now? Right. Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, like, so basically you're just like all it's kind of like the bad boys episode where you know he says you're gonna get points for all these things and then everybody in the facility is doing those things but see i think i i don't know if i'd (laughs) cite that i mean it's funny but but i think it's supposed to be exemplary of like okay we we've got this scoreboard and it's going to be enforced for about two seconds until we move on to like (laughs) <laughs> bigger fish to fry like yeah. okay yes you well, get points for smoking but like the least of our worries is that all these kids are smoking right now i i wonder <laughs> oh, if it right. has any i wonder if it was like a a, a commentary about vi- violence or gun violence that fell flat maybe i don't know <laughs> because it, you know, just clear, clearly the reason that it all falls apart is because the dudes have exactly that they have exactly what Hayden says they should not have, which is guns. And all of them do. So it just fucking uh-huh. falls. I think that any of these discrepancies could have happened in Halloween 4 or 5. And we love those movies. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing. But that's, again, we are we have this section to just knit, to pick knits. Oh, of to course. To pick knits, essentially. That. Um, but yeah, that whole search party thing. Also, just sorry if I'm 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 ambushing this one because I really really want to talk about that whole part. Okay, so the the principal who's a part of the search party also he tackles Michael while he's stalking around to figure out what's going on. And he's like, I got him! I got him! I got him. the kid is not wanted for anything. That's they have what I'm, no that's what, evidence. That's what I was getting at. All. at. Right. <laughs> that he is the murderer. He has <laughs> been com- he has been completely exonerated numerous times up to this point by Hayden. Despite the fact that Hayden's creeping around his house trying to get circumstantial evidence, you know, entering without a warrant, all these things. He heard his voice when he called 
you know, to talk to Kyle. But then the principal's like, I got him. No, no, you don't. He's not wanted for anything. What are you doing? Right. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all of the writing for this segment of the movie was just careless. Man. You can't. It's like, you can't do that. It's like the whole, you know, the idea, like there's this creationist idea that, you know, like basically if like a million monkeys all typed on typewriters for like a billion years, then eventually uh, Shakespeare would come out of it or something. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's what this is. <laughs> they have a bunch of like, writing room monkeys just typing for hours and hours. Oh, there we go. Right. You got some sort of semblance of, uh, of this third act. This third act is where it just all fucking just, what any, any semblance of continuity and coherence, this movie just gets fucked in the third act. <laughs> Agreed. It's a it's a train wreck of a scene for sure. Yeah, I just um, don't get that whole search party thing. It's just whoa, mama. <laughs> so so the last questionable that I had, I mean, there's a lot to question, but last thing on my list is <laughs> that the precarious brick pile. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To one, who the fuck stacks like two thousand pounds of brick on a two by four <laughs> that's held up with a precarious um Dude, scaffold? Yeah, Dude, scaffold. I laughed I laughed so hard watching that that my wife heard me from downstairs when that part came on. <laughs> I was I was straight up thinking like, is this is this brain scan or mouse trap right now? Like <laughs> Like all of a sudden the dude backs into this, this death trap. I mean, it's straight up something that would happen like in one of those mime scenes where like the mime cuts the the rope and the piano falls on him or something. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like some old silent film technique yeah. here for, dude, I for, was uh, dying. I was for physical dying comedy. When the bricks <laughs> yeah. killed that dude, I was seriously losing it. Yeah, it was In some slap. I think that that part right there is worthy of making this movie a perfect film. You know, like, I, some I unin- unintentional that, slapstick. I I rewound that three times to watch it. You know, while while I was making taking my notes, <laughs> this this is something straight out of a fucking Tom and Jerry or like Coyote Roadrunner, yeah, type of cartoon. You know. Dude, I, I'm I'm overriding this as a questionable and immediately moving it to the good category. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Okay, uh, but that's it for me. Uh, you guys can take it away. Okay, so I'm gonna do some rapid fire ones real quick. Um, a lot of them I had before. I like sometimes I write questions and then they get answered. So, but like I'm just like, how does Michael afford all this, and where are all of his parents? And then that kind of gets answered. Well, he obviously has a rich dad that just is out you know whatever selling vacuums or something i don't know um (laughs) um they don't show kyle's murder they show him murdering that one guy but they don't show kyle's murder why not why they were at a budget they were at a budget i had to look that up on wikipedia to understand what the fuck that was yeah, I feel like again there was a lot of budgetary curtails to show that one part of the the trickster coming out of the TV as already said. Um, speaking of the video game, I don't really understand how Michael is playing the game. 
He just sits in a chair and looks at a TV screen. Yeah, and then it's great. He's just transported into the game. There's no controls or anything like that. And it's not even that. It's not even a great TV to view this sort of thing. It's a very tiny, what, 12 inch TV? Maybe 13 inch uh, at TV? At some point, it almost looked like the TV was rectangular shaped. It was. It's a rectangular shape. It's an oblong TV that somehow he gets transported into, or his his mind, his brain, somehow, it like the game enters his brain, or he enters the game with his brain. I, mean, I don't I know. Think it's, I mean, even when you, like, the very first thing happens where he's kind of, like, electrocuted in his chair before he even gets the disc, you know, when yeah. he orders it. I mean, I think yeah. the whole thing is, like, at that point, it's like, all logic is out the window here. It's just, a, it's strictly just in his brain. You know, his his right. mind is in this game and that is what's controlling everything. Essentially, yeah. he's living like an alternate reality being sucked into this world. Because, yeah. you know, I don't think you're ever supposed to even assume that he stepped out of his house to actually go in and murder this guy. It's almost like the dream world in Freddy Krueger. It's like, you know, you see people getting gutted, but there's no one actually there. Sure. You know? Sure. But you still yeah. see the wounds. Yeah, and, and the trickster the trickster kind of explains how it works that the the TV the waves from the TV um you know you interact with that or whatever. Um so there yeah. there was a little bit of forethought to explaining it, I guess, but not really. Yeah. Yeah. Um so here's a couple of like last ones. Um was it really necessary for him to just fling his entire plate of food out of whatever frustration and anger there at the end? Did, yeah, the did glass he of do milk. that? Did he? The glass of milk yeah. is in that. He fling because and, they're showing that he and, he loves milk so much, and he's willing to to- just toss it aside like that. He's he's real. I just, he's real steamed. Yeah, I just I don't. <laughs> I keep like there's a lot of parallels to this and trick or treat, which we talked about last season. Um, where I just I don't understand the whole like the teen tantrum at the end thing or the teen tantrum like they just trash their own. I mean that is very indicative of also I think a privileged kid. It's just like oh I'm gonna destroy all my nice stuff that my dad bought for me out of frustration. You, 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 and never, just, you never took your Nintendo and threw it across the room when you lost a round in punch out. Like I did. And I, Oh, I'm, and it wasn't because I felt privileged. It was because I had unspeakable rage at losing to soda pop Kinski, you know, like, no, 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 I don't know. I, yes, I did. I definitely, I definitely almost destroyed my my video game systems, but not my whole room. <laughs> I would not yeah, trash yeah. my whole room. Uh, anyways, I never, I never that's it. Uh, that's what I got. <laughs> the activities period was created for intellectual enrichment, which is why I have such a problem with this horror club of yours. What was that film you were watching? Death, death, death. Death, death, death. Part two. So let's move on to our awards and categories section, and we're going to start it off at the top with quotes. Give me your quotes. Yeah, so (laughs) I I laughed at this many times. Um, It's the quote from the principal, Dr. Fromberg or whatever, when 
there's a horror club going on and you know, he comes in and he busts that up and he takes Michael into the, into the uh, office and he asks him, you know, why horror movies? Help me understand. Michael says something like, well, it's kind of like a, a form of escape. <laughs> and Fromberg says, oh, yeah, like lighting up a marijuana cigarette and escaping the real world. Hmm? Like watching a pornographic movie and a sex movie and getting an erection and raping someone. <laughs> Yeah, I love I love pornographic sex movie. Pornographic sex movie, and then raping somebody, and then and then he comes back with like a very like obviously good point, but like almost unnecessary for a movie like this. But he's like, he's like, well, no, the movies don't rape people. People rape people. Yeah, 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 yeah. An erection is a rape. Someone a person does. So. Yeah, yeah. That that plays into your point about his wardrobe and his Grover Cleveland ass, because he's so he's so dense and just behind everything and has no interest in any kind of popular culture or being um, connected to the modern world at all. He just does not a, a marijuana cigarette, a pornographic sex movie. Come on, guy. <laughs> amazing that if I did happen to have a kindred spirit in this movie, it would be that guy somehow. Like, yeah. <laughs> that is Fromberg. <laughs> That's my new nickname on the show, Fromberg. You guys call okay. it. The other quote that I liked is um, the trickster saying, um, you know, they're, they're fighting like they do in this movie about something. And, and uh, Eddie's or Michael says it wasn't supposed to be real. And he says, real, unreal. What's the difference if you don't get caught? Thought that was pretty good. But um, yeah, that's my quotes. I liked a, a quote at the very end. The only one I really picked out was just a funny sequence at the end where he said something to like, like, when, when are you going to stop being a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to to the neighbor, or the girl that's on like the lawn chair when he's asking where where Kim is. Yeah, totally. Uh, I thought that was funny. Is that what he says? I thought because I'm reading it he right says here. It says funnier than that. He says so. He, he words says, it in a way. He says that outfit's totally bitching, and she says, "You think no, so?" And he no. says, "Oh, no." He's asking where Kim is, and she she's like, "She's upstairs with Taylor," and then he he goes like. Is there ever a time when you're going to stop being a bitch? Or Did he say that? Like that? Yeah, he says something like to the name, like the girl at the party. Oh, because I thought that's like he's hitting on her. They're 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 trying to you know about two different scenes. I'm talking about the very end of the movie. No, that's what I'm I'm oh. thinking of that. Okay, you're 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 talking about his friend. I'm talking about Michael. Michael says it to her. Oh yeah, right, when yeah, he's looking right. for Kim. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Now I know what you're talking about. Yep. But yes, totally. The, the, his friend does hit on her, and they kind of like, "I'm gonna do the nasty at the end there for sure." Yeah, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Um, you got any quotes? <clears throat> yeah, sure. I'll 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 use this one that I just pulled up. Um, Michael says this doesn't make any sense, and the trickster says it doesn't have to make sense. All these horror movies you watch does death, death, death make sense? No. It does not make sense. It's about death, death, death. Michael says, I didn't kill the man. I didn't even know him. And then the trickster replies, there lies the beauty. You had no motive. It was totally random. Like in the animal world, prey doesn't have a name. It was primal. Yeah. 
Yeah. There you go. Pretty deep shit, man. Right. That yeah. The, See, trick, the trickster is full of good witticisms. I don't, I, he has questionable musical choice though. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, the, the hardest shit he can find is welcome to this world from Primus. <laughs> Come on, guy. Prancing around to some Primus. I love Fuck. it. Okay. So, uh, the Derek Zoolander award for the biggest rube in the movie. What do you guys think? John, what do you think? I, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, with, 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 with be... your interpretation of the film, I really want to know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm going to have to give it to either the principal or the friend or maybe literally every character in this movie. <laughs> yeah. What do you got? I'm, I'm going to give it to the guy that gets crushed by the big barrel, <laughs> the big thing of bricks. Like, it's got to be. What a, what a dope. What a fucking <laughs> dope. And that's the principal. That's that's Grover Cleveland. Oh, that, Grover that Cleveland. Okay. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, Kyle's a pretty big idiot. I yeah. mean, Michael's a pretty big idiot too. But let's just give it to Kyle. I'm gonna go with Kyle. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, all valid points that everybody's a fucking moron. But I think the the biggest boner here is uh, just I'm gonna say Detective Hayden and his idea of how to carry out let's oh i got it let's just break into the kid's house and steal some shit let's i mean absolutely no due process going on or anything the search party like you said you know that that was kind of i bet he wishes he could take that one back so so pat and i we had this it was kind of um a not written not formally written category which came up all the time in every movie, obviously, is cops doing their job badly because yeah. cops are terrible. And like in every movie, they do something stupid. So yes, this is an example of the cop doing his job badly, which I didn't get to mention. This. I actually really like Franklin Jella. Franklin Jella actually plays one of my favorite Draculas mm-hmm. in the whole canon of cinema cinematic vampirism. But yeah, his character is bad in this, and he just doesn't. He's He's not he's not even there. He's checked out for this. He's really just phoning it in with this role as well. So that was something that I forgot to mention in my bad. But yeah, Hayden also is stupid. Uh yeah. Okay, moving okay. on. So the Joseph and the Technicolor Dream Code Award for Best Wardrobe and Makeup. I mean, come on. I think it's is unanimous. Really anybody else? It's pretty well, unanimous look, here, man. He's got that look. He's going to fucking hit us with something. <laughs> uh, obviously, you and I are going to say the trickster, right? Right. What are you going to say, John? Got to go to Kyle. <laughs> That's Yeah, you're right. You're right. No, I got to. You're good. You're good. You're good, man. I like I like you bringing it with that one. But he's forever. We made it a point to mention his his. Phil Anselmo style layers of flannel upon flannel. It's true. It's true. It's true. That's good. I like that. Um, the Cosmo Kramer Award for the most likely to appear in a Seinfeld episode. I gave this one to Kyle. What do you guys say? Totally. Yeah, I was thinking Kyle as well. He's the most like uh, bodacious, goofy kind of character in the film. So. Um, yeah, I, I just saw him as like a like a, a a fast food delivery kid or a delivery guy that shows up to Elaine's apartment or something. I could see I could see Hayden, Detective Hayden, being like just like a kind of like 
monotonous, like nothing personality, like figure of of authority on Seinfeld. They they usually they they do that sometimes. Um, yeah, like um, like um, Agent Bookman. Remember the library yep, cop? The library cop, exactly, <laughs> exactly. What I was thinking. The dude kind of just it. lurks around. He just kind of lurks around, like doesn't really have a whole lot of personality going on. It's just, uh, yeah, you know, just kind of like a like a wet blanket in the room. You know, I, I like that it. one as well. Okay, yeah, and I, then finally. Yeah, I was gonna say that that's good too. I like that. Uh, and finally, the uh, the Danny Trejo Award for the character most likely to have a spinoff. Hey, what do you got, Brandon? I, I I said Kyle again. I mean, I could see him as you know a blossom kind of you know teenage angst coming of age just after school special show about this kid. Okay. John, I see that too. I I I could see that too. I think I'll go. I'll give it to Kyle. I just said the trickster. Maybe that's a little too obvious, too. No, I mean, uh, yeah. clearly he, that that would – he would have a show, of course, you know. Yeah. They could do a lot – they could do a lot with that character. All Maybe right. Maybe he could him in one of those other movies I said he should have been in. Yeah, he makes a cameo in Little Monsters or uh, – <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so topping off the wiki wormhole with the body count, uh, four? Yeah, let's see. Um, Ted's the first guy, Kyle. Right. Um, um, b- b- fucking brick guy. Uh, and then the cop to get shot. Michael. Oh, then five. Well, because Michael gets killed too. Technically. Okay. So five. Yeah. You got to You got to include him. So five. All right. Yeah. Five. Okay. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to let you take it away with the, uh, the wiki wormhole. Well, (laughs) it's funny because a lot of the trivia that I see is really just kind of falls into how fucked this movie was (laughs) critically. It was, it was pulled at only a critically, it was just totally stunk up the joint. It was pulled after two weeks of being in the theater. Um, I read that. Yeah. Uh, directed awesome. Yeah. It rules. Uh, th- there was going to be a laser disc made for for Germany, but it got canceled <laughs> because it was just a bad idea. <laughs> um, the director really did not get along with Eddie Furlong. Uh, says that... Uh, Eddie Furlong was a 15-year-old kid who couldn't act, like you were saying, Adam. Um, he had to slap him awake every morning. So, you know, he said, I, I didn't want to get into knocking people, but I was not a big fan of of, of Furlong. That was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, in both Kyle and Kimberly's room, you see an Aerosmith poster, The Get a Grip, uh, which is the track Living on the Edge. Furlong was in the video. Uh, T. Ryder Smith did the voice of Igor as well. I mean, the the funniest parts to me was just the critical and financial failure <laughs> of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Michael starts to give his phone number 
to the brain scan operator, uh, operator, he starts with 717, indicating that he lives in eastern Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, but the movie takes place in New Jersey, but it's filmed in Montreal. There's actually another scene when they look at the, the foot in the freezer, and it's uh, telling that it was filmed in, in French Canada because the instructions on the back box of macaroni the foot is sitting on is is in French. So... <laughs> Yeah. Did you find yes. any uh, worthy nuggets? Nuggets. No, those of are all things that I I pulled up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we go. Let's uh, get to that point in the show where we're going to rate this, put it on the midnight clock, and then John's going to let us know what we're, we're going to watch for the next episode. So. What is our iconography for tonight's movie, Gentlemen? What do you uh, say, John? Yeah. Go ahead, John. I'm going to go with Primus Records. Okay. <laughs> Primus Records or Primus CDs? Whatever you call Is it a CD? Yeah, it's CD. a CD. Primus, yeah. Yeah. Primus yeah. CDs. Okay. Yeah. Brandon. Uh, I was going to go with the severed, shitty, frozen foot. Okay. Right on. Both are good. I was going to go with plates of sloppy syrup drenched <laughs> hot dogs and bananas. I mean, uh, I, just don't, I just don't want to say that again. So, uh, okay, so we well, won't use that. Okay, can I, can, I, can, can, I, can I walk it back? Because I just thought of something. How about fucking out of five bulbous, disgusting fucking trickster fingers you never okay. you notice how like hot dog swollen his fingers are in those little tight biker gloves yeah i did not i did not notice that somehow man i, um, I noticed it my my vote goes to your first one brandon the, the foot the frozen yeah the frozen foot with a shitty tattoo on it <laughs> yeah, yeah i agree yeah let's okay. do it out of five <laughs> shitty severed feet sure um I just want to have this disclaimer so that, you know, my taste in film doesn't come back to bite me in the ass over this episode. I enjoyed watching this movie. I found it fun to watch. I don't think it's a great movie per se, but it was, it was definitely enjoyable. It was a good way to kill an hour and some change, you know? Yeah. I I enjoyed it too. Yeah. I I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Right. So I'm going to give it's not going to affect my rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> for, from an enjoyment factor perspective, I'm going to give it three severed, frozen, shitty feet. Okay. Right on. All right. John? My next year, I'm going to give it one and a half severed, frozen, shitty feet out of five. Okay. I love it because I thought I was going to give the lowest score, and I'm going to give it two. Yeah. So you you yes. went even lower, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something. In the history of this podcast, very few movies dip below the two mark. I think it's only happened one time in the whole history of the podcast where movies got rated less than two. So <laughs> now, here you go. Well, keep in mind, I'm rating it not as you know when I say certain things are fucking awesome. You know, like the bricks, for example. That's my personality where I'm like, okay. Ignorance is bliss. Everything is a joke. This rules, right? Sure. When I give the rating, I'm legitimately transporting myself into some fucking 
shitty pretentious film critic all of a sudden so that's my rating when i'm really really just being too serious man i i can't believe it even merited one and a half then I'll give it one and a half. You fucking body no, slammed the, yeah. the centerpiece of the whole movie. Oh, yeah, but there, really there are so many worse movies than this. So many worse movies. So there are definitely you know, worse movies than this, but pretty bad. I'll give it a one and a half. I'll give it a one and three quarters shitty severed feet. All right. <laughs> That's hey, a new one, too. We're moving up one toenail at a time. You know, I was yep, gonna say. Yep. So basically, what it is is it's a shitty severed foot with three toes left. <laughs> okay, That's right. That's yeah, right. <laughs> or whatever. Okay, plus the other, plus the other shitty severed foot. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. So, uh, what do you give this on a midnight clock? I'm gonna rattle this one off, man. This one's nowhere close to a midnight, in no. my opinion. This it's is almost a kids movie. It's a kids movie. This is eight o'clock. Other than that murder, which again. You know, they could have showed Kyle's murder. There's a tit and there's a, a graphic murder. There's so no, that, yeah. That's that really not. That puts it. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, that puts it kind of into the PG 13. Right. Uh, okay, so what what do you have to say then about it, John? What do you. I'm going to, I'm not going to put it any later than, than 10 o'clock, but I'm not going to go as early as 8. I'm going to say this is a 10 o'clock movie. Um, okay. It's not like, it's not like stay up late you know, refuse to go to work the next day type of, you know, psychotic movie, you know, but I will give it a 10 o'clock because the general vibe around it is definitely not suitable. I, there's elements that, that when you say like, it's almost a kid's movie. Yes. But to, to people like us, not, I mean, I don't, I don't want my kids watching this. I was gonna say yeah. this is smoking like a true dad right here. <laughs> yeah, right. I have to. I have to do that. But um, yeah. and this is coming from someone that's absolutely gonna make my daughter play Mortal Kombat as soon as she's old <laughs> enough to hold the controller. So, um, I mean, yeah, right. I, I put it at ten o'clock. I think it's definitely not mild enough to be like a family movie. Okay. Fair enough. I will amend mine then. I'll say ten o'clock too. Ten o'clock. Really? Yeah. Well, you know. I can, for me, I see this coming on USA, you know, channel, cable channel, at like the attempt at being the feature movie around nine o'clock. You know, um, it's 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 very. It would be a very easy movie to edit for made for TV because there's really not a lot of salt, you know, sauciness in it. Like you said, that murder, the side can, and uh, like the cursing is mild. Even there's no drug use, nothing like that. I think it's a nine. I think it's a nine o'clocker. Okay. Well, we're all in the general vicinity, so let's just let's just say we're all, we're kind of more or less in agreement. Um, okay, so John, you're on deck. What is the movie for next time? All right. I'm going to keep keeping my tradition, my, my predictability here. And for my second pick ever, we're going to go with 1989's Best of the Best. Best of the Best. Ow! Best of the Best. All right. Nice. I like that. I'm looking forward to I look forward to talking about all these movies with you guys. So, you know, that's that's what matters.
This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe, as always, for our intro music. Tonight's episode is sponsored by who, Brandon? It's uh, Good Day's Adult Child Vinyl Bed Sheets. Because they'd like to, they, they, we would like to all say good day to the wet blanket. <laughs> you know, there, there's a, there's oh enough, God. there's enough fucking adult children out there. It's a serious thing. Uh, well, that's a good product to have uh, backing us up. So I agree. And our producer for tonight is who? Good days, adult child. Final Benji. Okay. Uh, so, Brandon, you pick the outro music for that. Who's our band of the week? Uh, so, it's going to be Phoenix Band uh, Wound Back. I'm going to listen to The Last Nail uh, off their album, The Road Ahead. Awesome. Wound Back's great. We love Drew. Hi, Drew. I hope you listen to this. Drew's a man. Okay, so signing off, Adam Walker for John Hoffman and Brandon Hayden. Brain scanners and keeping comms out there in the world. We'll see you next time. We love you. You're the best of the best. Good night.